0: Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of the Fortress of Rock. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane, glad to have you aboard here. Ooh, scary, spooky, it is Friday the 13th, May the 13th, 2022. This is episode 39 of the Fortress. I'm having a really good day. (laughs) So, you know, this whole Friday the 13th thing, come on, let's just get over it. Not a big deal. Not gloom and doom and disaster. It's not a day that's going to be any worse or any better than any other one. Like I said, great day so far for me. So I'm loving Friday the 13th right now. Just got uh, tickets to go see Kansas. They'll be playing here locally where I am. Coming up in July. Finally, Finally get to see Kansas for the first time ever. Was supposed to go see them at a local theater, local venue. A couple years back, and of course, COVID hit, so that kind of washed out those plans. Decided I didn't want to wait 18 months to two years through delays, so I just got my money back, and luckily... The rock gods shined on me and brought them back around here so I get to go see them, finally, this coming July. Outdoors, probably be hot, muggy. It's all right. A little bit cheaper than what I would have paid to see them indoors. So very, very happy with that. Other news of the world. Of course, our first segment, a tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen. The ongoing Van Halen tribute rumors just won't go away. Now, nobody's expecting anything to happen anytime soon, but Jason Newstead opened up a little bit of a can of worms. As he was the first one to start talking about being contacted by Alex Van Halen. About jamming with Alex and Joe Satriani. About starting to put together this tribute tour. And then of course we heard that David Lee Roth was involved in talks. Now Michael Anthony on a podcast this past week the bass player, from the classic lineup. And, of course, the uh, Sammy years and the Gary Cherone album, Van Halen 3, before he was unceremoniously dumped in favor of Wolfgang Van Halen for the last couple tours and the last album, A Different Kind of Truth. Michael Anthony Now came out this past week and said, yes, he was also contacted to be part of this Van Halen tribute tour. He seemed a little bit confused about how Jason Newstead got involved because it seems like Mikey's understanding was that it was going to be three quarters of the classic lineup, which would be him. David Lee Roth, and Alex Van Halen, along with Joe Satriani. Now, no word, of course, if Sammy Hagar would have been involved. And, of course, Sammy and Mikey have been joined at the hip pretty much for the last 30 years plus, ever since they got together in Van Halen in the later 80s. There is still hope, kids. There is still hope that this will happen. And no, it's not Van Halen. They don't even pretend that it's going to be Van Halen. It's a tribute to Van Halen. And I've said this in the past, there is no better substitute out there. No one is a substitute. Let's get that straight first and foremost, but... Joe Satriani would probably be choice number one to fill in along with the rest of the classic Van Halen lineup. COVID is rearing its ugly head again. I hate, hate this. I hate to bring you this news. But the final four dates of Journey's current Freedom Tour. Now, they're going back out on the road later this year. But the final four dates of the early leg of the Freedom Tour, where they had Toto opening for them, had to be postponed because an unknown member of Journey came down with COVID. This is the wrong time for this to start up, for this to start happening. Summer concert season is gearing up. Me personally, I've got six to seven shows scheduled between June and August. I don't need to go through this again. Let's just get over it. It's the flu now, it's basically what it's got to be treated like. You get your shot. You move on. If you get it and you get sick, stay home. Problem is people don't listen. And, of course, if the bands or their touring entourages, whether it be staff, roadies, come down with it, that's going to cause problems for the entire band and everybody they bring along with them on a tour. Hopefully, this journey situation is a little blip on the radar and doesn't become yet another COVID fiasco So we have to go through yet another year of cancellations and postponements. I don't know if the touring industry can survive another year without being able to have a full slate of shows, especially the outdoor venues who depend on these summer shows. Speaking of tours, so far, the COVID situation, as it tries to rear its ugly head again, is not affecting promoters and venues from scheduling new tours. Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction are going out on tour. And, of course, Scorpions, in support of rock believer their latest album going out on tour and they're bringing along Whitesnake and Whitesnake is on the I don't know if you want to call it their farewell tour I have seen things stories rumblings rumors where they're calling it the David Coverdale farewell tour I don't know what that means but it's intriguing. It's interesting. Does that mean that Coverdale would sign off on somebody else taking over lead vocals on his baby, Whitesnake? Could you see Sebastian Bach singing with Reb Beach, Joel Hoekstra? Oh, that would be phenomenal. Now, that would be my pick. I could see Sebastian Bach filling in perfectly for David Coverdale if he's going to sign off on it. Because again, when I start seeing and hearing things that say this is not the White Snake farewell tour, this is the David Coverdale farewell tour, it makes me wonder. And David Coverdale is not a dumb man, he's a very smart, shrewd man. He always has been. He might not be the most creative out there in the rock world but he is definitely definitely one of the smarter ones in terms of how to run his business. I could see this. I could see this definitely happening two or three years down the road. The reformed White Snake with him being the mentor him putting together the musicians, the singer that he wants to carry on the White Snake legacy. Very intrigued about going. I've already seen both bands in the past. Only problem is for me, they've only got one show even close. And it is in a very, very difficult area of Chicago to get to, at the Allstate Arena. With gas prices the way they are, with tolls that you have to pay when you drive in, to Chicago from out of state unfortunately it looks like that's one I'm going to have to pass on so kind of balances out, I get Kansas for the first time ever don't get a repeat on Scorpions and White snakes, so <sighs> just getting to the point where I've got to live with it I can't see every show that comes through as much as I would like to The bank account, work schedule, all those things to consider just sometimes it doesn't mesh, doesn't work. Still debating on Father's Day, though. Have to go by myself. Unfortunately, my daughter is states away at school. Otherwise, she would go with me. But I've got a shot at seeing Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo. And of course, Pat Benatar was just announced as a 2022 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. So I'm thinking I might take a little trip. It's not too, too bad of a drive, a little over an hour. Be the only time, uh, probably last chance, let's put it that way had opportunities in the past that uh, didn't work out, this would probably be the last chance I've got to see her. So I'm strongly thinking about taking a little solo jaunt on Father's Day to see Pat Benatar. Finally here on News of the World, I will admit I am not perfect when it comes to rock and roll. Not talking about opinions. Everybody, you're going to like what you like. I'm going to like what I like. That's the greatness of rock and roll. We don't have to agree on a particular album. If there are people out there, you, me, who don't like a Beatles album or a Zeppelin album, I don't think it should become the Salem Witch Trials. That being said, I will admit I have to rectify a mistake. I have never seen the movie This Is Spinal Tap. News came out this week, Rob Reiner and the three actors who are left from the original Spinal Tap lineup are going to put together Spinal Tap 2. It's going to be out in 2024. It'll be roughly the 40-year anniversary of when the first movie came out. Again, I will make a point to watch This is Spinal Tap before, I've got two years, before Spinal Tap 2 comes out. I know the, the legend, the legacy of Spinal Tap. How, Maestro, how have you never seen This Is Spinal Tap? As much as I love rock and roll, I don't know if I would say a rock and roll parody would necessarily be something I would enjoy. Bear with me here. You're making fun of something I love. And again, I know people who've seen it and they said it's not mean spirited. It's endearing. It's rude. It's crude. I just, I've seen rock and roll comedies in the past. Obviously, I love Tenacious D love tenacious D loved the pick of destiny recently watched high fidelity again my daughter and I were debating about high fidelity the TV show on Hulu versus high fidelity the movie with John Cusack of course the way things are with the generations nowadays She watched both. She, of course, sides with the the newer Hulu version with Zoe Kravitz. I can't. I don't have Hulu right now. I'm not going to get Hulu just for that. Hulu's not a big priority to me right now in terms of streaming. So, but. Because we got in that discussion, I did watch High Fidelity again. Another, again, rock and roll based movie. Comedy, not parody. Tenacious D, you could say, is a little bit more of a parody. (sighs) Again, I will end up watching, this is Spinal Tap here, at some point in time. I'm just worried about, I'm not sure if the, the documentary parody tone will work for me. And honestly, I'm not a big fan of the actors. Christopher Guest, Michael McKeon, um, Harry, Harry Shearer, just not, they're not my favorite comedic actors. They never have been. I like I like Jack Black and Kyle Gass better. Sorry, I do. But I will never know my true feelings on this, right, until I watch it. So I promise to you out there in podcast land, followers of the Fortress, that I will watch this is Spinal Tap at some point, hopefully this summer. So there you go, kids. News of the World done, wrapped up for right now. Segment two coming up, of course, is Breakdown. Album reviews, song reviews. Going to travel back in time. A little over 20 years ago. Bend, not break. A cardinal rule on the Fortress of Rock. I usually do not like to review live albums or retrospectives box sets that type of thing but i i'm breaking again bending possibly to the point of breaking one of my rules because it involves one of my favorite bands so you're gonna have to deal with it so stay tuned for segment two you'll find out what album i'm talking about In just a sec. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane, of course. That was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown, where we are going to review all the new songs, all the new albums, all the new concert tours, the shows that I've seen personally. Stay tuned for that. Of course, we're now available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast hang out kids we'll be right back hey everybody welcome back to the fortress of rock i am the maestro kevin crane episode 39 may the 13th 2022 yes friday the 13th but it's all good been a good day for the maestro so nobody here is complaining This is the time where we review new albums, new songs from upcoming albums, the stuff you need to know about, because new music, good new music in the rock realm is so precious, so few and far between when it comes to releases. That I got to stay on top of this for everybody out there. Let you know what is out there that you should listen to and what you should not waste your time on. Now, you're going to have to indulge me here. Well, it's my podcast, so I'll indulge. But one of my favorite bands of all time, who I consider one, if not the most underrated rock band of all time, is The Knack. They are so much more than just my Sharona. And I'm happy, don't get me wrong, that you still hear my Sharona played all over the radio across the country because people have finally come to understand how awesome that song is. It is an all-time great, it is an all-time classic, one of the greatest rock songs ever. Long version long version, not radio edit version. You have got to hear Burton of Air's full guitar solo on my Sharona to fully appreciate the magnitude of the greatness of my Sharona. But that being said, they dug back into the archive Smile Records Just released The Knack live at the House of Blues in Hollywood, September the 25th, 2001. 18-song set, technically, and we'll get into this, It's probably 20. A couple uncredited songs that The Knack snuck in there. Three-fourths of the original lineup still intact at this point, of course, we know. Doug Fieger, lead singer has passed away. It's been a while. So the Knack is no more. But back then in 2001, you still had Doug Fieger, Burt Nevere, and Prescott Niles from the original lineup. The guys that put together the classic album, Get the Knack. Dave Henderson is credited for drums on this live album. So like I said, I'm indulging because normally I don't like to review live albums, compilations, box sets, that type of thing. I'm making an exception here because those of you out there who don't know who the knack is, the younger audience, and again, the older audience my age who didn't get into the knack outside of my Sharona, you need to dig back in, listen to this album, this encapsulates the greatness that is The Knack. Now, this one's going to be kind of tricky to go through track by track. Um, And I am biased. I'll admit it. I'm completely and totally biased. Eight of the 18 songs on this album are off Get The Knack. They played eight of the 12 tracks off get the knack in this show they did a fantastic job with the set list but here's the thing they were promoting a new album at the time normal as the next guy so they did play a couple more songs off of that than i would have liked but outside of that the set list is pretty hard to argue with couple fantastic covers of the highlights, for me at least, of this live album. So we start off, first song of the show is Pop Is Dead, which is a great, great song off of Zoom. Problem is, it sounds like Doug Feger didn't take enough time to warm up before hitting the stage because pop is dead as great of a song as it is comes off very rough his voice cracks multiple times and immediately i'm thinking oh please don't tell me this was a money grab this is going to be an embarrassing show they don't sound good the doug figure's voice is bad Luckily, it just took that one song for the most part for Doug to get warmed up because then he hit Baby Talks Dirty, which, of course, was the first single off of their second album, But the Little Girls Understand, and they kick butt on that. And so after that, yes, his voice gets strained at points, throughout the rest of the show, but not necessarily anything worse than you would hear at any other concert. Uh, Run through these real quick. We'll stop when I get to something of significance for you guys. I love all this stuff. So, Otara next. Then, can I borrow a kiss? Another lousy day in paradise. Of course, good girls don't. The second hit off of Get the Knack, One Day at a Time, It's Not Me, Harder on You. Now, see, this is the area where I'd probably have a complaint if I was not a big Knack fan. One Day at a Time, It's Not Me, and Harder on You, those three in a row, that's a little weak. That's a little weak. Then we get to track 10 and everything just The roof gets blown off for the most part for the rest of the album. We get Siamese Twins, The Monkey and Me, which is one of the greatest tracks off of Get the Knack. And then they slip in at the end, hold on tight and don't let go, not credited on the album. One of the songs off of But the Little Girls Understand. So you're going to get a two for one here. And then basically the last week song, quote unquote, that you get is track 11, Seven Days of Heaven. And then after that, the album just, again, literally takes off. Highlight of the album, track 12, is their version of Tequila and Break On Through to the Other Side. Nine plus minutes of musical glory, rock and roll ecstasy. This is phenomenal phenomenal stuff as old as i am this is the kind of thing that i love to hear from bands especially bands i love who i've i've listened to van halen night ranger collective soul the knack i've listened to these songs hundreds and hundreds of times their songs so when they throw in the covers or they do different versions like collective soul always likes to try to change up december I love that type of stuff, and I love the covers. And Tequila and Break On Through by The Knack here is just nine minutes of glory. It's fantastic. Then you get a run of five straight songs off of Get The Knack. That's what the little girls do. Frustrated, which, oh, one of the most undervalued songs of all time. She's So Selfish. And then, of course, my Sharona, full version. And then they loop back to Let Me Out. Then they close out the show with a cover, a great cover, of Last Train to Clarksville from the Monkees, another one of my favorite bands. So I'm kind of getting a twofer there as well. And then they fade into, well... They don't really fade into it. They kind of jump right into having a rave up. Again, off of But the Little Girls Understand. Again, I'm biased. I admit it. I'm putting it out there right now. Just like you would be if your favorite singer, your favorite group, put out a live album, greatest hits, You're going to love it. You're going to, hopefully, you love every minute of it. And as as much as I try to be critical of this, the House of Blues show um, in Hollywood, it's really hard for me to rip on this. This is near perfection for me in terms of a live album. Again, starts out slow. Couple weak spots when it comes to the set list, but again, you got to understand what they were doing in terms of promoting a new album. If you can get beyond those flaws, minor, minor flaws, the Knack Live at the House of Blues, September 25, 2001, is a phenomenal live album, and I hope you check it out. Also, have a couple songs to review this week. The Fix, the fourth release off their upcoming album. Yes, I know we reviewed a song from Def Leppard a few weeks back called Take What You Want. Well, the fourth release off of Every Five Seconds, coming out June the 3rd, from The Fix. It's also called Take What You Want. Now, this one, unfortunately, is not as good as Def Leopard's. Take what you want, and it's not as good as the three previous releases from the Fix's upcoming album. It's moderately catchy. Decent. Not awful. But this is one of those songs where we're going to have to see the entire framework of the album next month when it comes out and we review it to see how Take What You Want fits in. Because to me, it doesn't sound like it should be anything other than a track at the very back of the album. So four songs in you know i got to give them something of a mulligan the first three were interesting rock solid really good this one is just kind of ho-hum mediocre then finally here on breakdown of course a tribute to tom petty the first release off of Wilco's upcoming double album, cruel country is falling apart right now. And Wilco, I know some of you out there might be going, why are you reviewing Wilco? That's not rock and roll. What are you, what are you doing here? Well, as, as, I don't expand the definition of rock and roll as much as the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does, but I do tend to include some different things. New Wave, Alt Country, which is what Wilco technically falls under, Blues, We're not doing hip-hop, we're not doing rap, we're not doing classical, don't worry, kids. But a friend of mine who I actually got to listen to the song, a guy who likes the really, really hard stuff. He likes Breaking Benjamin, and he likes the five-finger death punch type of stuff. I kind of got him to listen to this. I said, listen to this song. It's called Falling Apart Right Now. And we've talked in the past about how much I I love Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. But Wilco is one of those bands. It's an acquired taste. You either get them or you don't. Like an REM, like the Rainmakers. um, You know, they're not for everybody. And I fully admit that. And Wilco can go all over the map with their musical stylings. And falling apart right now, my friend, I have to give him credit. He was the one to point out to me. Coming in, he he came in with fresh ears when it came to listening to Wilco. I, of course, have listened to almost all of their albums. You know, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. I've listened to dozens upon dozens upon dozens of times he brought a fresh perspective when we talked about the song after he had digested it i liked it i i heard it the first time it already started to 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 wiggle its way into my brain like an earworm it's a very catchy song a rare upbeat song for Wilco in terms of music tempo. And my friend told me, he said, "You know what this sounds like?" And he he also liked it. He said, "You know what this sounds like to me? It sounds like Traveling Wilburys, who I loved, absolutely loved back in the day." but haven't, I haven't listened to any of their music, haven't pulled out either of their CDs in quite a while. Dare I say years. And he was dead on with that observation because I went back and listened to it again, and I said, yeah, he's right. This could almost be a traveling Woolberry song. But now, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to expose him to any more Wilco music because I know this is probably just sheer luck that I found one song that he would he would like again. Being a metalhead, um, knowing Wilco's past and their musical tendencies. This might be this might be a one and done for my bud with uh, Wilco, but I'm glad he liked it. I like it. Try something new. Listen to Wilco. Listen to Falling Apart right now. Just be forewarned. Once you start getting into Wilco again, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is a different animal altogether. That album is just an all-time classic. You have to listen to it two or three times to really get into it. That one is the one you should really listen to first. After that, they're a little schizophrenic. But Falling Apart right now is a phenomenal song, so check that out, kids. All right, that's it for breakdown. Segment two is over. Coming back with segment three, I want to go back where we look at the anniversaries of classic album releases and moments in rock history. Had some issues with this today, and I'll explain that to you in the next segment. When I start talking about, of course, each and every week, my sources for a lot of my ideas. And of course, please remember... That you can find the Fortress of Rock pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, and Stitcher. And of course, check out our Facebook page. You can participate in the Weekend Rock Project. And we also post our links each and every week to this podcast. So check that out. All right, so stay tuned. We're going to be talking about the Beatles, Duran Duran, and Stevie Wonder coming up, so stay tuned. All right, now that we've looked at the current state of music, In our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned, and as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fortress of Rock. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. Friday the 13th, May the 13th, 2022, this is episode 39 of the Fortress. This is I Want to Go Back. Our tribute to Eddie Money, anniversaries of classic album releases and moments in rock history, birthdays as well. First and foremost, let me acknowledge my sources for some of my ideas here and throughout the episode with a caveat. Bear with me on that. UltimateClassicRock.com, the best website I have found, bar none on the internet for rock news, album reviews, release news. The Van Halen news desk, of course. A little bit of the personal touch there. Then of course, normally I would say this dayinmusic.com has been a valuable source for information for me over the past 6 months or so, but had a lot of trouble this week accessing information on thisdayinmusic.com, so I had to bail on them this week, try to find some other sources for some birthdays and anniversaries in rock history. So I hope that thisdayinmusic.com is still functioning and it's just a temporary glitch because I really love their website. Now it's As I've mentioned in the past, it's based out of Britain, so a little bit more slanted towards UK news when it comes to music, but still a lot of good stuff. All right, let's start off with birthdays this week. Of course, Stevie Wonder turned 72 years old today, born on May the 13th, 1950. Love Stevie Wonder. Um, Great story I have for you. When I was first getting into pop and rock, when I was about 10, 11 years old, back in the mid 70s, I remember listening to American Top 40 with Casey Kasem on Sunday mornings. And that was one of my first major exposures to the hits of the day. It was that, and it was the KTEL records, the compilations that they would put out back then, similar to what they do now with, what now that's what I call music. Definitely different types of music involved comparing the seventies to now. But one of the first songs I remember when I started listening to Casey Kasem, one of the first songs that I remember as a huge hit, a number one hit on American Top 40 was Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. Great song. Absolutely fantastic song. And Stevie Wonder... He's had some phenomenal moments like superstition. He's had some down moments, sorry, in my opinion, all you ballad lovers out there with pap-like I just called to say I love you. But there's no denying the greatness of Stevie Wonder. And I saw he was turning 72, and it almost seemed surreal because he seems like he's been around forever. Because you got to remember, he started off at such an early age with fingertips. That 72 years seems young for him. And I hope he's around for another 20 plus years so we can celebrate his birthday each and every year here on the Fortress. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on my other rock and roll birthday of the week, even though he is one of the greatest vocalists we have got right now. Because we spent a lot of time talking last week about Hootie and the Blowfish. Mark Bryan, their guitarist, last week turned 55. But the man, the myth, the legend from Hootie and the Blowfish now out on his own. Is a very successful solo country artist, is Darius Rucker. Darius, born May the 13th, 1966, turns 56 years old today as we tape The Fortress. And again, I talked a lot about Hootie in the last episode, so I won't go into a lot of detail here, but again, I will emphasize the fact that I think Darius Rucker has got one of the greatest voices of the last 30 years. To me, he's right up there with the greats, Chris Cornell. It's just really tough for me to not praise darius rucker for everything he's done i'm not a big country fan you guys know that love hootie though that voice is unbelievable so happy birthday to darius rucker a couple of very significant anniversaries in rock history Going to cheat a little bit here, go back to the 10th of May. 40 years ago, on May the 10th, 1982, Duran Duran released Rio. And if you've listened to my ranting and raving and my weekly updates on the Rock Hall of Fame voting this particular year, You know I have been rooting for Duran Duran to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Another example of how we try to delve into different types of music on the fringes of rock and roll here on the fortress. But Rio is fantastic. Rio is a masterpiece. Um, I won't say it's one of the greatest albums of all time, but it is definitely a classic. Duran Duran deserves their spot in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they owe it pretty much in large part to this album along with Seven and the Ragged Tiger. All right, for all you Beatles fans out there, I guess this is the obligatory weekly Beatles nod. Because, of course, almost every day, every week of rock and roll history, you can find something that happened with the Beatles. Somewhere between 1964 and 1970. May the 13th, 1970. 52 years ago today. The movie... Let It Be, premiered in New York City. And of course, I don't know if I've really gotten into the weeds with it, but I have tried to watch the Disney Plus Peter Jackson Beatles nine-hour documentary get back. I think I'm halfway through it, but I just... It's too much. I mean, if you're not a diehard Beatles fan, nine hours of that is too much. And, of course, part of the fruition of that ended up being this film, Let It Be. Now, I want to go on a tangent here as we wrap up the third segment. Sticking with the Beatles, I'm going to have a bone to pick here with one of my previously mentioned sources, Ultimate Classic Rock. Now, in no way, shape, or form are they as bad when it comes to their lists and their rankings as Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone just... A joke. They are not the preeminent publication for rock and roll. They're a political rag. They're a bunch of sycophants who take after Jan Wenner, the biggest sycophant of all time. Now, Ultimate Classic Rock, I've mentioned a couple times in this episode, a lot better, much better source for rock and roll. Criticism, history, but they recently put out their list of the greatest rock and roll singers of all time. Mm. And I have issues with you people. To quote the great and glorious Frank Costanza. Yes, it's time for the airing of grievances, even though it's not Christmas. or Festivus, I'm sorry. I should say Festivus. Are you really going to tell me that three of the four Beatles are three of the 40 greatest rock and roll singers of all time? That's a joke. That is a goddamn joke. And I love George Harrison. He is not one of the 40 greatest rock and roll singers of all time. And I know they were taking into account stage presence, not just sheer vocal power. George Harrison shouldn't be anywhere near the top 40. And John Lennon, obviously, I'm not a big John Lennon fan. I've said this before, overrated, overrated, overrated. But, of course, again, it seems like it's obligatory that anybody, any publication, any website that talks about rock and roll has to kiss the Beatles' butt. So they put Lennon and McCartney both in the top ten. Garbage. 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 There are a couple other issues I have with the list, but there are some really good things on the list, too. So, again, better than anything you'd get out of Rolling Stone. Sammy Hagar came in, I believe, at number 29. David Lee Roth did not make the list, which I'm fine with, but then don't tell me you're considering stage presence and showmanship. Because if you're considering those factors, he should be in. Vocals, no. Pure vocal stylings, pure vocal power, no. Absolutely not. I agree completely. I have never been one of those people to be foolish enough, as much as I love the original Van Halen, to say that David Lee Roth was a great singer, quote unquote. So I was fine with Roth off the list. Great for Sammy at 29. That was a great pick there. Chris Cornell in the top 10. That tells me right there, Ultimate Classic Rock does have some smart people on their staff. Ann Wilson, top 10. Again, her vocals, her voice in heart, especially early on, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Pat Benatar barely made the list at number 40. Would have liked to seen her a little higher. And I can't, again, not just with the Beatles, but it seems like if you're going to be a rock critic, you've got to kiss certain peoples. But how does Bob Dylan make the top 40 greatest rock singers of all time list? How does Bob Dylan make... That list. And it wasn't, he was somewhere in around 20. How does he make it that high up, let alone in the top 40 period? Again, the world of rock criticism is full of fanboys and sycophants. Robert Plant came in, I believe at number 2. Definitely fair. I'm trying to decide if I should spoil number 1 for you. Um other other spots that were interesting. Bon Scott made it in somewhere, I believe in the mid 20s, but Brian Johnson didn't make it. I find that a little bit intriguing that they chose to go with bond scott and exclude brian johnson okay jeff buckley made it in the top 40. okay i can't fully criticize that pick because frankly i don't care about jeff buckley and i've never listened to his music Paul Rogers was in there. I'm not the biggest Paul Rogers fan. Doesn't bother me that he made the top 40, especially at the back end. So, uh, of course, Mick Jagger made the top five, not number one though. Steven Tyler made it, but he was a little bit farther back than I thought he would be. Um, Didn't even sniff the top 10. But check out this list. Just came out today, ultimateclassicrock.com. The top 40 rock singers of all time. I'll be nice. I will not spoil number one. I've given you a taste, a very good taste, of what's on the list. Along with my criticism of... Again, the fanboy stuff with the Beatles and Bob Dylan. All right. going to head into the final segment and let you know what is coming up here in the next few weeks in terms of reviews, albums, and songs. We're still a little bit away from concert reviews. Still about four weeks away from the next Fortress of Rock concert review, which will be... Sammy Hagar, and George Thurgood. But in terms of the immediate future, stay tuned and I will let you know what I will be breaking down for you in the coming weeks here on The Fortress. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane. Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs? What albums? What concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, everybody. It's time to wrap it up on the Fortress of Rock here on May the 13th, 2022. Of course, wrap it up. Referencing the fabulous Thunderbirds. Albums we are going to have for you in terms of reviews in the next two to three weeks. An eclectic mix, shall we say. I've referenced a couple of these. Still at some point looking into reviewing the Black Crow's EP of cover tunes from 1972. Possibly, maybe looking at reviewing the Black Keys' new album, Dropout Boogie. Probably will review Skills. This supergroup that Frontiers Records put together, featuring Brad Gillis of Night Ranger and Billy Sheehan of Mr. Big, the album is called Different Worlds, came out today as we taped The Fortress, I've listened to most of it, as much as I love 80s rock and I love Night Ranger. A little hint, it's not that good. Then finally, something that I don't know if a lot of you out there are aware of. The lead singer for a band that I don't think a lot of you out there really listen to because they never get played on the radio. Craig Finn has got a solo album coming out here next week called A Legacy of Rentals. Craig Finn... Is the lead singer of the underrated band The Hold Steady. I'm a big fan of both Craig Finn's solo work and The Hold Steady. Not saying they're my favorites, but in a world where you're trying to find something different in terms of music, something a little bit off the beaten path, The Hold Steady and Craig Finn fit the bill. A little bit of Springsteen in there, you can hear that. A little bit of Counting Crows, you can hear it. So I will be reviewing his new album, A Legacy of Reynolds, here within the next two to three weeks. In terms of songs, what I've got for you next week is the second release from Cruel Country from Wilco. Tired of Taking It Out on You. If you listen to my discussion on their first single in Breakdown, this song is much more like typical Wilco than that song. Much more dour and downbeat. So take that for what you will. And then, of course, one of my personal favorite under-the-radar bands, third release off their upcoming album, The Black Moods. Their new song is called The Cure. That one I've also previewed, listened to like skills. And I'm telling you, this is good stuff. We're three releases in for The Black Moods' next album. And I'm telling you right now, this sounds like it could be a contender For album of the year. I love that slash. Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators album. For a lot. But the three songs I've heard so far off of the new Black Moods album. Are unbelievable. So next week I will review The Cure. From the Black Moods. So that'll about do it for the Fortress of Rock this week. Weather is phenomenal here. Mid-80s, sun is out, finally. After six or seven months of gloom and doom, cloud cover, snow, rain, miserable weather, finally, here comes the sun. Yes, even though I don't think George Harrison is one of the top 40 singers of all time, I do like some of his songs. Hope you have fun this weekend. Spend time with friends, family. Go see a concert. Listen to some CDs. Listen to some tunes on Spotify. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. Thanks, as always, for checking out The Fortress of Rock, and I will talk to you next Friday night.